Hi, it's Brett Hill here. If you thought last year's Wellness Summit was big, just wait for the 2015 edition. There's new speakers, a new venue, new exhibitors, new everything, and we would love to have you there. Our selection of two-for-one tickets sold out in less than 48 hours last year, so if you want to join 600 like-minded health and wellness enthusiasts, as well as your favourite Wellness Couch podcasters, then make sure you go to www.thewellnesscouch.com and register for the early bird list. Thewellnesscouch.com Streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome to another episode of The Real Food Real. Today on the show, I introduce you to Renee Trost, our new naturopath here at The Natural Nutritionist. Renee comes with a wealth of experience as both an elite athlete and a tertiary qualified naturopath. I hope you will join me in welcoming Renee to our team. As you will soon learn, Renee most definitely speaks our language and I'm thrilled to have her as a part of Team TNN. Hi Renee and thanks for your time today. Hi Steph, it's an exciting time to be part of the TNN team. Great to have you on and I'd love to start with your story. So dive in deep here and start from the beginning and take us through your journey um, to today. Sure. So my story uh, has a bit of a continual trajectory, I suppose. I was kind of lucky. I'm the youngest of four girls in my family. So you would think that we all would have turned into these ladylike um, women, but we all grew up to be avid sports ladies. And I started playing all kinds of sport from a young age. So I played everything. Every weekend, my poor parents were driving us from one sporting field to the next. But I really fell in love with hockey and started in Minky, which is kind of like the Oz kick of hockey. And from there, just continue to be more competitive and more competitive within my age group. I started representing um, internationally um, at around 15 when I got selected in the young Australian team to play against New Zealand in a cup called the Rose Cray Cup. And that was probably the first taste of international and elite sport. So I was quite young. From there, I went on to play all kinds of representative hockey um, to the point where my mum sat me down and we had a discussion on narrowing down my sporting options because I played everything from netball, touch football, softball and hockey to just focus on hockey because I was costing her a lot of money. And so then I started uh, playing juniors and seniors and I also towards my later teenage years started traveling to Melbourne. So I was from a country town called Albury so I used to play club competition in Albury, drive down to Melbourne, play the Melbourne club competition and drive back home to start school on the Monday. So I loved it. I loved the competitiveness. I loved the exposure. I loved kind of everything about being elite in my time. And then from there, I um, continued to represent at a state level and an international level through throughout my hockey career. And when I finally finished school, I packed up my bags and moved to Melbourne. I was, I'd was i been a member of the Victorian Institute of Sport since about year 10. So during the week, I'd pack up my hockey gear and drive down to Melbourne once a week to train with the Institute of Sport. So 
I was now in the VIS program full-time, playing club hockey, training a couple of times a day, most days of the week, and I enrolled myself into human movement. So I was studying human movement, playing a lot of sport, loving life, and from there I got a scholarship to the Australian Institute of Sport. So I was in the Australian Institute of Sport for the under-21s World Cup. So I was a member of the young Australian team playing in the World Cup, and that was in Argentina and moved to Perth to train full-time. So that was probably my first real full-time athlete job, and it's a great life. So Perth's an amazing town. Um, All the girls, you're injected into just a big family. It was amazing. Um, After my year playing at the under-21s, I suffered probably my first serious injury. I had a knee injury, which forced me to move back to Melbourne um, for surgery and rehab. Um, So then I was travelling between Melbourne and Perth, still playing, still studying, still training. Um, I'd fallen out of my human movement studies because I was travelling so much internationally. Um, And that's when I really started to investigate food and nutrition. I just started to really hone in on um, how to recover my body, how to get the best out of my body, how to to make my body elite. I was kind of the type of player that was the jack of all trades and master of none. So I needed an edge and I found my edge through my fitness and my ability to back up my performances faster and at a higher intensity than other players. And this served me really well. So really fueling my body became my focus. And from there I picked up and enrolled myself into a naturopathic degree. So I was playing hockey still, Um, studying naturopathy, working in a health food store, just trying to get as much exposure and as much knowledge as I could. Um, And that led me to another AIS scholarship to train full-time in Perth. So I packed up my bags and I moved to Perth where I lived for the next four four or five years, training full-time and trying to complete my naturopathic degree. I did, like any athlete, have another small hiccup through my career when my mum got quite sick with cancer and that kind of led me to traveling back home Perth's a long way away and really kind of working with my family supporting my mum um through that time so if if anything kind of re-intensified the message to me that nutrition was important it was that that time of my life because my mum used conventional medicine um, natural remedies and diet to really kind of heal herself and fuel herself through that time So I was still training, traveling back to Albury, visiting my mum and, you know, really kind of narrowing and honing down how good food and wholesome food and nutrient-dense food serves your body so that you can function and survive and live at your most optimal level. So after that, um, I'm quite stubborn and I was uh, determined to make it back into the Australian team. By this stage, I was kind of pushing 30 So your kind of your days are numbered once you're an older athlete. So I trained for 12 months and I knew that I had to bring something that no one else could bring. And again, I focused in on my skill um, for my workload. And I turned up to a camp in January for selection and I was the fittest, fastest, and I had my repeatability um, scores were the highest out of the entire camp. So there's about five teams. So you're looking around 50 girls and I was also the oldest. So that kind of led me to be reselected to which I kind of hung around for another 12 to 15 months. Um, And then moved back to Melbourne to finish my naturopathy degree. And now here I am. 
such a cool story. I love <laughs> that you came across nutrition at quite an early age and certainly the proof was in the pudding for you because it sort of translated your longevity in the sport. So would you say more than, than most athletes? Definitely more than. My ability to work really hard at training sessions and recover was you know, I was in the top three fittest girls in the entire squad. So, and I was, you know, being older than some of the girls and, you know, just never getting injured, never getting sick, really being able to kind of deliver an elite performance day in, day out. I I just, I totally put it down to how I fueled my body and how I looked after my body. All my friends thought I was intense and thought I was um, a bit crazy about my diet. But I enjoyed food where I needed to enjoy food, but I used food as my resource. Yeah, very cool message. And I want to know, like, early days, was it quite a shock to you? Like, because obviously you dived in with this interest, but it sounds like the benefits were almost immediate. Did it shock you as um, the significance of focusing on your nutrition at the time? Yeah, I think it shocked my family um, (laughs) (laughs) because I made them all change their diets. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting time because I, I just, I remember one fond memory, um, being young and I was convincing my mum not to buy me Easter eggs for Easter that I wanted a lip balm instead. And, you know, she was, you know, my sisters were, you know, don't be silly. You, you, you exercise so much. It's fine. It's fine. But, you know, it was those small things that for some reason, just the, the switch had flicked on in my head. And from a young age, I just really wanted to focus and deliver to my body what I really wanted. Yeah, and how old were you about at this time? Um, I think I was looking at around probably 16, 17. That was my first exposure into the Victorian Institute of Sport. And once I had a taste of that elite life, I really wanted it. So I think that's when I really started to to focus in on what I ate and I prepared all my own food and if the family was having certain meals at night I'd cook my own veggies or I'd do you know do my own do my own thing at a young age but it's translated into a time where now my family are all really focused on eating real food and they grow their own food and so so even though I was probably more intense at that point in time it the ripple effect is what what benefited benefited my family yeah, I can agree. I was the same. I think as a teenager, it perhaps appears as an inconvenience because you're not eating what mum's putting on the table. But it's funny how it ends up going full circle and your parents are the ones that are now on board and certainly experiencing some fantastic health benefits. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And especially when they when you go and visit them and they ask you what you want for dinner because <laughs> they know that, you know, it's all about good food and they're prepared to be variable and they just want to join in and I think that's the exciting times when people really want to buy in and join in yeah I get the same whenever I'm going home for a trip I get an email with a what's on your shopping list this time (laughs) (laughs) so I put in all my requests so when I arrive everything's there it's pretty awesome (laughs) yes it is good and it's great when you expose them to something new and different and all of a sudden they're like I've tried that bone broth and it's amazing I've got one on the stove now and yeah it's it's exciting oh it's absolutely the best I think the first time I realized my dad was preparing chia puddings for breakfast rather than having wheat bix and muesli it absolutely made my day I couldn't believe the change he had made but you know it makes you so happy that they're on board and they're certainly not only listening to you but doing their own research since they've been exposed to real food and the benefits of that that's exactly right and then when they tell you they feel good that just you know you want to fist pump the air (laughs) (laughs) behind their back of course but (laughs) yeah 
Awesome. All right. So I want to stay back around when you were 16 for a second and, and let's just talk really practical. What, what would you say were the key things that you changed initially to start the journey? Sure. So it was a really interesting time. I actually got my first knee injury playing touch football when I was 17. So I think so, so that was quite important for me. And I also that was a time when low fat was uh, quite big and carbohydrate density was big. And I, th- I think what was interesting was I never really bought into that uh, era. So, you know, I, I would always try, try to vary my diet more on whole food. So I ate lots of fruit and veggies. Um, I would always, you know, be carrying around fruit in my bag. I was never one just to, to carry some of those processed foods that kind of came out. And um, my, my family used to drink the low-fat milk and I'd drink the full-fat milk. And, yeah, so it was a really interesting time for me. But I think what what was most interesting was I was driven by the fresh, the fresh fruit and veg. So that was my mainstay. So it was nothing for me to be carrying a carrot around in my bag or – to, you know, after a game when parents were handing out snakes or lollies for me to grab a piece of fruit. Um, and, and I don't I don't really know where that came from. It was just something that that was inbuilt. Yeah, it shows you're on the right path from a career mm. point of view, I think, if you were doing that at 16. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it, was never, it never seemed that hard for me. Mm. Um, I think my probably the worst thing I ate was I was addicted to peanut butter sandwiches. So that was probably my biggest vice post training or post games um, was a peanut butter sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Quite different to lollies and uh, say sports drinks, huh? Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I was the only one in my family at that time that probably ate the wholemeal bread and whole grain bread. And even then I, I could never, for the amount of exercise I suppose I did as a teen, I could never get through loaves. So that's how my family converted over to the grainier kind of breads. Although I suppose no one in my family really eats um, breads all that much now, but yeah, through necessity out of waste, <laughs> I think they convert slowly converted over. And then over time we've stepped away completely. Yeah. A nice sort of evolution, which I think is a great approach for families to take. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's through that education process that you, you learn more about yourself and you experiment on yourself and, and that's, that's part of the journey. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. All right. So let's find out a little bit more about you so we can share that with our team. Can you summarize, say, as an elite athlete and certainly now um, practicing as a naturopath, what would be your number one piece of nutrition advice? My number one piece of nutrition advice, uh, I would have to say is no diet works for everyone. So a lot of I've, I've grown up in a lot of team sports, so you know a lot of people will go on diets, or they'll cut this, or they'll try this, or they'll take certain um, supplements or foods, and if they get results, everyone wants to do it. So I've seen lots of success and lots of failures with this kind of approach, and I think just because someone else has done it and it worked for them doesn't mean it'll necessarily work for you. You need to learn about your body, educate yourself, trial and error, but come back to always an individual approach. So for someone, they might not be able to eat three hours before a game or a run or a race, but if you're starting your game or race hungry, then that approach isn't working for you. So it always comes back to a more individual approach for everyone. Yeah, spot on. I think 
the education part is really important. I'm, I'm experiencing this degree of overwhelm in, in clients at the moment and I think it's mostly to do with the fact that the real food revolution is huge, which is both positive and negative. But I think if we keep it quite simple and pay attention to our body ourselves, then you can certainly get pretty close to the right approach, if not 100%. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I, I can remember like one example is in a team sport, we're all run, run by schedules and protocols. So after every training session, we had to take in proteins when protein was kind of coming um, uh, quite noticed for its recovery uh, nutrition. And everyone had to take a certain protein powder, the same amount in milk straight after a training session you know, twice a day or three times a day or after after a game. It was, it, it was just really pumped into us. And I found that I, one, couldn't stomach something like that straight after a game because I would run to absolute exhaustion. I needed time for my body to calm down. And a few other girls couldn't handle milk and some were getting gastrointestinal distress and it was completely variable. And it wasn't, I suppose, I was lucky I was a little bit older and I'd been playing with food for a lot longer. So, you know, I, I stood back and kind of had a look around and I was the first one to say, no, that's not working for me. I don't want that. I'm happy to eat and I'll look after my nutrition, but I can't force feed myself along with 15 other girls. You know, it was, it was quite an interesting exercise and I'm glad I had the maturity or um, knowledge to step back and assess it. But that happens still all the time and, and I think it's important that people learn what works for them and what doesn't and, and says so. Yeah, that recovery window is a big one. You know, we see it in the literature, uh, which is outdated, but we still see that 30 to 60 minutes. So people are basically carrying buffets in their bags or sprinting home. It's a big stressor to Mm. shove in, you know, bowls of pasta or whatever you're being provided in that club environment. But we certainly know that, you know, it's a Goldilocks scenario because it's not about more is is better. It's about certainly the right amount and it's not absolutely necessary for you to even eat within the hour if that's not right for you. It's the big picture and certainly how you personally or individually back up, recover, perform, sleep, digest, lots and lots of variables that we always talk about with our clients as well. That's exactly right. Yeah, very cool. All right. So now you're sort of you've moved away from the elite lifestyle Talk to us about what your top day-to-day nutrition strategies are. My top day-to-day would have to be hydration. I'm amazed at how people who even sit in an office or say they're too busy and forget to drink don't acknowledge or don't have the body signals to tell them that they're dehydrated. Um, so I coach young, young girls and I'm amazed at how many turn up to training and you can tell that through their performance or the way they're acting. And sometimes I'll even ask them, have you drunk anything today? And they'll say, oh, uh, I had some juice. Or it's it's a really, I find it a really interesting yet simple um, problem, <laughs> I suppose we could call it. But for, for me, day-to-day nutrition just comes back to your three meals. If we balance out our three meals and we eat nutrient-dense meals, we can time that around our exercise and we don't have to suffer through uh, like stomach cramps or dehydration or fatigue during the day we, if we just really look at the composition of our meals. And sometimes I think we forget that because we eat on the run or we just grab and go. And I, I think if, if anyone could learn anything, that's a really simple thing to, to reflect on. 
Yeah, certainly the energy stability makes a big difference for those athletes that are asking their bodies to perform later on in the day. I think, you know, it's a a fine balance of working out what food gives them enough energy without the obvious effects of eating too close to a session or for some people that get that sort of carbohydrate coma that we call it in the afternoon, that's obviously not going to facilitate good performance either. That's right, that's right. And we all know how hard it is being a kid at school. You know, you come home at four o'clock and you're starving. And I think it's it's then that we need to make the right choices, especially for kids. But um, for adults, it happens as well. And generally, it's because they've rushed through lunch that they really hit that, you know, two, three, four o'clock lull. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, you know, prioritizing our nutrient dense foods, which are quality proteins, good fats and veggies, a small amount of fruit, you just notice that stability, that blood sugar control, and certainly that energy provision into the afternoon and evening. That's right. That's right. And if you get it right, it can happen really quickly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, clients of mine, they report immediately how satiated they are, how they're not needing to snack. And it surprises them, particularly because a lot of people are coming from that five or six meals a day to increase your metabolism myth. And, you know, that we know that's carbohydrate driven, that's food pyramid driven, mm. where it's six to 11 serves of whole grains. So of course, you're eating every two hours because your blood sugar is just absolutely out of control. That's right. That's right. And how can you feel better eating less? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. All right. Tell us about what you love to eat at the moment. Take us through a common sort of breakfast, lunch and dinner combination. Sure. So at the moment, it's gotten quite chilly quickly here in Melbourne. So I'm a big kind of soups person. I love a good soup. Um, So for me, I made a big bone broth the other day. So kind of that's been the focus of a lot of my meals. So if I would go through kind of what I ate or what I eat on a regular basis, uh, for breakfast I've been having some of my bone broth with a hard-boiled egg and some greens. So I had some spinach and some broccoli this morning and I'm absolutely loving that in the morning. And it sounds so uh, simple um, and it is, but it's quite nutritious and surprisingly gets me through to lunch. Lunch for me is really, it's varied because my work hours are varied. Um, So sometimes it could be a smoothie, um, a salad with some protein. Um, It could be some lentil burgers, um, something that I've just made up in bulk. I tend to make up in bulk on Sundays to get ready for the week because I'm always running around. Um, But again, I try to make it that nutrient dense because my, my meals have to be planned around my day. And then at night, I'm generally racing off to training or I work late. So again, my meal has to be something that I can get in that will satisfy me and keep me going. And it might be just, again, some leftovers or um, I'm not impartial to having some raw veggies cut up with some nuts as I'm kind of driving to my coaching sessions. So it, it is quite varied. It sounds quite simplistic. But it keeps me going. And then I do, again, a big cook-up on the weekends and, you know, find something that will keep me going and is nutrient-dense and protein-rich and full of good fats so that I'm not starving and having to drop in to a milk bar or find some fruit somewhere or constantly be searching for food. Yeah, I think um, some foresight goes a long way. So you're obviously well aware of your busy schedule and the evenings that change your meal times or certainly that 
daily preparation time. So planning around that sounds so simple, but people just don't do it. And I think that, you know, getting home at eight o'clock and then starting from scratch is a recipe for disaster. So having things in the freezer or even just those options like omelets, which you can throw together in five to 10 minutes, it just keeps it simple. But I mean, real food can be as simple as we like. So I love that you've got that down pat because you do cram a lot into your weeks. (laughs) I do. If I don't prepare, then that's when I'm left scratching my head. And I think, and, and that's when you can easily fall into those quick meals. So, you know, you I might just then grab, you know, some crackers and or or something that you, that you would never normally choose to eat. But you're at that point where your blood sugar levels have dropped, and your thinking just isn't quite as uh, as on the the money as it should be. So preparation for me is absolutely key. And for for those people who train in the morning and race off to work, you know, you want something easy to grab for lunch and know that it's going to be wholesome and get you through. So I definitely think writing out a meal plan or doing a bulk cook up on the weekends definitely serves you well when you start getting to that Thursday, Friday, because you don't want to hit that fatigue button and, you know, be struggling at the end of the week for good food and there's nothing easier than whole food you know to to grab a fruit is a perfectly packaged snack and veggies all you have to do is cut cut and quickly steam them and then throw in some you know grilled chicken or salmon or even making that omelet it's it's actually really is easy but you just need to have that that preparation and and some shoppings I suppose done yeah it's interesting I had a conversation with a good friend last week and he was asking me what I do when you know I lose my food mojo and um, he actually asked does that happen to me and I said yeah actually it does but what I do is I just bring it right back to basics so I'll just get in the kitchen and make one soup cook up a few you know grass-fed clean snags and one big salad and it might take me an hour total so it's you know you know something that I can fit in at the end of the week or on a Sunday like you say but it's Mm. so simple but it just makes it easy I don't need to think about food every day which can be overwhelming or sometimes you do you look you've lost your mojo you can't be bothered looking at recipes and that's normal because we're all human so I think having some of those strategies that you can do to get you through and certainly still enjoy your food but keep it nice and simple is key because we've all got so many balls in the air that we're juggling. Most of the athletes that you and I work with have full-time jobs and, you know, almost part-time athletic careers. So Mm. you need to have that element of organisation and foresight there. That's right. That's right. And nothing serves your recovery more than a really good meal. (laughs) Yeah, natural whole foods. That's right. Awesome. So just a couple of questions before we wrap up today, and I'm sure everyone's loved your insight and your journey so far but tell us about what's next for Renee and what you're planning on doing with the natural nutritionist sure so joining the team is probably um a really exciting time so it's kind of getting out there and getting exposure so I love team sports so really trying to get into that team sports um area arena and helping athletes be the best in in their environment so looking at kind of more of a group Uh, mentality and getting people on track early so my passion is also young athletes and I love getting getting to these guys early and showing them that that being different to kind of their colleagues or not eating the same as a lot of their peers isn't as hard as it needs to be and that they can still enjoy good food and enjoy going out and and still get the benefits from having real food and increasing their performance Um, and I also want to really kind of 
get stuck in in probably putting together some material for for young athletes as well. So possibly putting together an ebook or putting together something for them so that they've got a bit of a resource. I think sometimes we skip that and we we head straight to the older athletes. And if we get into the young guys, hopefully their careers are longer, they don't suffer any injuries throughout their careers and, you know, then we can get their families on board. So we're kind of having this ripple effect that that we're really pushing for that real food to to take hold. Yeah, awesome. It's very exciting. I think if we can get them early, they the kids are the ones that end up educating the parents like you do and then it's this lovely full circle within the family. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, beautiful. Very good. All right. Um, So where can our listeners find you if they want to learn more about you? Sure. So they can find me at The Natural Nutritionist. Um, So log on to your website um, and all my availabilities are there with the team. And um, I'm looking forward to kind of speaking to people and getting to know people kind of in that realm. Yeah, very cool. So we'll pop the details for Renee's bio, uh, bookings and all that sort of information in the show notes team. And Renee, I'm sure we'll chat again soon on The Real Food Real. Thanks so much for being a part. I'm looking forward to it and good luck to everyone out there who's willing to make change. Thanks, Renee. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.